This is the Glowing Older Podcast, hosted and produced by Nancy Griffin and Catherine Lord. We curate this podcast to feature leaders in the business of aging well, who provide services and products that help us all glow older. Learn more about us and our coaching work at glowingolder.com. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin. And I'm so pleased to be here today with Stephanie Erickson, clinical social worker and family caregiving expert and author of Plan for Aging Well, Building a Team to Provide Physical, Emotional, and Spiritual Support as We Age. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thanks, Nancy, for having me. Thank you so much for being here. And I've enjoyed your book. And before we dig into that, tell us about your background. So professionally, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> depending on how far you want to go back. Well, I was born in Los Angeles, California. No, uh, I am from Los Angeles. Um, I have, I, I set off to be a teacher. That's the first thing I wanted to do was actually teach high school. And I got a job when in under, during my undergraduate studies, I got a job at a group home for teenagers. And I became fascinated with the background that the the i guess the history of why it was that they couldn't learn not because they had learning disabilities but because they had so many things going on in their home lives that they weren't able to focus on schoolwork and that led to them being really far behind so i quickly realized that the academic route was not what i wanted and i really wanted to help people understand them understand why people become the way they do what they you know how they're experiences influence them etc and so then i went off to get my master's in social work and i worked actually with children youth and families for a good part of my early years um i've also then i kind of moved into hospice work and then when i moved to canada well now i'm back in california but when i was in canada for the last 20 years i most i mostly uh, worked with seniors so that's a great segue into my next question, which is, <clears throat> tell me about um, what inspired you to write your book, Planning for Aging Well. Plan just for pure frustration. Like just, I mean, I saw it here because I worked in um, hospice here in California. So I saw the system here. And then, of course, I had the Canadian perspective, too. I was in Montreal, so the province of Quebec, that's the perspective I had. And I, it just, it's just gross how we treat our elders. I find that they are really pushed aside, neglected. Our resources aren't directed towards them. Uh, and it just was frustrating for me. And so I just, out of pure annoyance, <laughs> decided to put my venting on paper instead of complaining to my husband all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. Well, you know, you talk about a, a lot of issues in, in the book. Um, and I suggest that all of our listeners get that book and read it. Um, it's it's really important. But uh, what are some of the biggest challenges in our current system um, when it comes to older adults that, that that are just like stand out to you? Yeah, there's a lot of challenges. Uh, one I would think is access, access to good quality, consistent care part of that in the states it's different in canada because it's a socialist system so everybody has access although there's still some challenges there i'm going to talk about the the u.s 
um, insurance is a real big barrier and economics. So people who have money can pay for concierge medicine, you know, can talk to their doctor every single day if they wanted to. Um, people who are working and have access to insurance can at least get some type of care. People who have Medicare are also given, you know, a really good care actually under the Medicare program. It's, it could be expensive in some ways, but it's pretty good care. But those seniors who don't qualify for Medicare, um, that's a real problem. And if they don't, if they can't afford to pay for private insurance, it's a really big problem. They don't have access to care. Um, they don't have choices in the care that they want. And the care that they are given often is subpar. Not always. I mean, it's just more that a lot of people don't accept, for example, Medi-Cal. So then you're limited in, in the providers that you can choose because the, you know, the provider won't accept that kind of uh, insurance. So that's, that's part of it is economics. Um, I also think that that we have a, a crisis in the healthcare system with just staffing, nursing in particular, mm-hmm. um, even physicians too, but we just do not have enough staff. We just don't. And so most of the staff, I want to say, the healthcare providers, they really care about patients. I mean, no one really gets into healthcare to make money. And even unless you're a top surgeon, you know, physicians, yeah, they're making a really good living. I'm not saying they're not but they work really hard for it. And it's not like they're multi, you know, millionaires. They could make a lot more money, you know, probably, you know, pursuing some sort of other entrepreneurship industry, you know? Um, So there's not a lot of people going in to healthcare and we have major, major staff shortages and it's worse since COVID. So that's also a problem because now you have the ratio with staff and patients to be below standard. And obviously the quality of care is going to be impacted. So that's also a problem. And then for those that have the the seniors that have um, mental illness, whether it's like severe and persistent mental illness, like things like, you know, schizophrenia, um, or whether it's depression or anxiety, there's really not a lot of resources for seniors, especially when they're homebound. You cannot get mental health services out there. It's really hard. Uh, so I also think that is is a big problem. Well, that that's a a lot um, a lot of problems. I mean, both the challenges in our elder care care system and and um, you know that that all the range of things that you just covered um, are so true. And um, one of those things is that because, especially specifically speaking about the U.S people see that the system is really messed up and that there oftentimes uh, are like huge it's financial destruction comes with some of this caregiving needs. People don't want to think about it. You'd think that people would want to plan, but it doesn't seem like they do. So how, how do you overcome that? Yeah. I mean, you're, it's a really good point because I mean, people avoid stuff that's hard to think about in all sorts of ways, right? We do it at work if we have a problem with a colleague and we want to avoid it. I mean, avoidant behavior is is pretty common in a lot of areas. We don't want to have to deal with problems. Um, And so I can understand why people don't want to have to look at aging because there's there's lots of things involved with that. It's just our own um, life that we're looking at, our us getting older, um, reduced mobility, 
illnesses, death, grief. I mean, it's it's a lot, right? As we think about aging. So that's part of the reason I think why people are avoiding it. But the other piece is that people don't have money either to plan appropriately. Um, you can be living at home and have even purchased your home, own your home flat out, but you're on a pension and now you need additional care at home and you can't even afford to pay for private caregiving. So now what do you do? Yeah. Well, then you go into a, an assisted living that costs you $15,000 a month. Like there, there goes your you know, livelihood in, in four years. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's really scary to plan because it feels overwhelming and, un, you know, not doable, but I still believe that it's important to look towards the future and try and plan as best as possible. And yes, there's the whole financial piece that we have to plan for. And I suggest people meet, you know, with a financial advisor who specializes in older adults, or I'm not talking about, you know, someone new and young and, you know, looking to make, you know, money quickly. I really, you know, really someone who has experience to understand all the costs of aging from buying medical equipment to bringing in home care, all those kinds of things. And, and set up a good plan. But it's beyond that, right? It's beyond our physical care, which is a lot of what I focus on in the book. It's about our emotional well-being, our spiritual well-being, our psychological well-being. And those areas really are more about discussions with our loved ones who are pr- providing us the care and support. So they know what is important to us in terms of our spiritual self our emotional self, our psychological self, and what can our loved ones do as we age to make sure that those areas of who we are are also cared for. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, it seems like if you could let people know how, how much it's important to share um, the challenges uh, and plan, no matter, you know, if you're in your forties, fifties or, or onward, the, the better, um, for everyone, you know, that everyone wins really when, when you plan. So, um, the other, can I just the, add on to that, Nancy, before, yeah, before you please. go on to the next question, I just want to add on to that, that part of that planning, it's not just about the seniors, right? It's about their adult children who will be caring for them or their, you know, chosen family, whoever, whoever it is that will be caring for them Yeah. by, by the person themselves planning, they're helping their loved ones not only execute the plan that they want, but also relieves guilt and stress. Not all of it, obviously, but some of it, because, you know, we have to make really tough decisions when we're caring for someone who's frail, elderly, um, sick. We have to make really tough decisions. And if we can have really good discussions prior to getting there, or even on the onset of when we are there, it really can help those caregivers feel more comfortable in making the decisions that are necessary. So it's really kind of like a full circle plan. So uh, what are some of the most promising solutions that you're seeing to meet the holistic needs that you mentioned, the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs as people get older? Well, I, I find technology is is pretty exciting. I mean, there's some negatives to it, right? Because, you know, a screen is not the same as a human body. And I think we all realized that when we were all isolated during COVID that, you know, yes, we can connect on the screen, but it's not the same as being able to give somebody a hug. So I don't want to say that's the only solution, but it certainly is helpful for some people. And it's not even just talking about interfacing, like getting, for example, psychological support online through a computer. 
if you're isolated. That's part of it. But it's also all the different discoveries um, and developments that are happening in the technological technological world, like, you know, remote, you know, care monitoring from home. So you can be measuring your O2 and your blood pressure and all these things from home. You know, your, your results get sent to your doctor. And then all of a sudden you realize something's happening with your blood pressure. You go in and see your doctor before you end up with a heart attack. So that that's pretty exciting to me that there's a lot of these things that are in development. Um, and so I'm really always interested in kind of looking around to see what what's out there, what's what's next on the horizon. I love that. And um, one of the things that you talk about a lot, and there's a whole chapter on this, and everyone will see when they read it, is um, this whole idea of a, a collaborative team approach. Um, so talk to me about that, um, because that I think that ties everything together. Uh, that you've mentioned, it's like, it's, it really does take a village to, um, to navigate this, these waters that are really, really tough. uh, There's a lot of challenges. Yeah. And I mean, I think we need a village throughout our entire life. You know, we, and again, COVID is a really good example, how we all felt disconnected from others, you know, not even, I don't think realizing how important it was to just say hi to someone at the grocery store and have a moment of human interaction. You know, we all miss that for a period of time. And in Canada, our lockdown was way more strict than it was here. So we were literally like, could not leave the home for like 10 months, had a curfew. We weren't allowed to go. I mean, it was really strict. So I really felt it personally. And I think we need it throughout our whole lives and especially at the end of our life because we're scared. And when we're scared, we need people around us to help us and reassure us. And in that spirit, we all need everybody to be on board. It's ourselves advocating for what we want. It's our children, our loved ones who are caring for us and helping us to know what to do and to advocate. And then for all that communication with the healthcare providers that are circling around us and healthcare providers is a very, it's a, I'm using that as a very large term that could be remote home monitoring. It could be your primary care physician. It could be a nursing home staff. It could be your home health, you know, staff, like it's everybody, um, who's caring for you. Um, the importance of like all getting together and being on the same page with the plan. Also, I'm sure that you've seen and and will, uh, attest to the fact that, um, it's a two-way street that that this with this intergenerational connections that the the person even if they have some sort of a disability can always provide something in return um, and it, it seems like it that phrase care partner is a great phrase because it's like it's not just a one-way street when you are a family caregiver um, don't you think you get something back from the other person as well. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, caregiving, uh, caregivers and them taking care of themselves is a, a whole different topic. Um, but it's it's even beyond just like the caregiver. It's also the community, right? So I just saw something, I don't know, a few months ago about Japan, how they have these dementia cafes where they have people that have dementia and they're the ones working in the cafe. There's like a one-on-one ratio. So there's someone, a staff member or a volunteer actually, who's with the person who has dementia. But when you go there as a patron, like you are expecting, I'm going to get the wrong order. I might wait forever. They may, you know, whatever, (laughs) forget to bring me my food, you know, but it's just a part of giving 
people value and having them feel valued and important and a contributor to society, no matter what their, as you use the word disability, so whether it's physical or cognitive, whatever it is. And I think we're missing the mark here in the States. We kind of do the whole go off to a nursing home thing in the States. Not everybody does it, obviously. And part of it is financial because to care for somebody at home means you can't work, means you need to pay for a lot of stuff and not everyone can do it. So I don't mean to say that people are you know, shipping people off because they don't want to care for people at home. Sometimes right. it's just not possible. Um, but that's that's like a whole society and economic and political structure that I'm talking about. It's much larger than just, you know, person to person. I completely agree. And it's like if there was more of a focus on it, whether it was, you know, financial, cultural, all that, then there'll be more options. And I think we are starting to see alternatives pop up here or there, you know, it's like, um, they're not like a lot of scalable national models. I'm seeing that maybe like the greenhouse, uh, approach that that small nursing home approach. But, um, I think that we are hopefully starting to see some innovation. Are, are you seeing that Stephanie on your end? Not in Southern California, which is where I'm like boots on the ground right now. I'm not really seeing it. I mean, there's lots of, they call them boarding cares, right? Which I find to be the most ridiculous name because when you are going on a vacation, you board your animal. And then we call these homes for people bored and cares. Like it just I talk about that too, language. And anyways, that's one of the things that just drives me bonkers. But anyways, they call them board and cares. So, you know, we do have these, but again, you need money, right? So all the innovation comes with having to pay for it. It's not like they're innovating, you know, skilled nursing and rehab facilities for seniors that are covered 100% by the federal government or the state government. There's no innovation there. These are all private citizens who are using aging as a way to make money. And I'm not trying to say they don't have good intentions behind it, but it is a business, right? There's a big business in aging um, for people to make money. And again, lots of people are doing it because they want to help. I'm not saying they don't want to help, but that is, you know, that's where all the innovation is. That's where all the dollars are going. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, it's that middle, the forgotten middle, that's the most that's the market that's the most in need at this point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Gosh. Well, what, um, what, uh, other, do you want, do you want to mention any other trends that you, um, find exciting? Um, no, I mean, I think we've, we've talked about, I mean, nothing is popping in my head, you know, based on your questions, that's the stuff that popped in my head. Nothing is like on the tip of my tongue that, I wasn't able to fit in. Of course, when we hang up, I'll have lots of things to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'll finish, Stephanie, by asking you what gets you most excited these days. You mean related to work? It can be anything. Okay, so it's not related to work. What excites me is moving from Montreal, the freezing north, to beautiful Southern California and enjoying all of my time outdoors. And I'm hoping that over time I'm working a bit less and enjoying life a bit more. That's what I'm looking forward to. And that's what I'm working on every day is trying to enjoy myself and not get too caught up in work because it's very stressful what we do. Right. So we have to remember to have fun. So that's what I'm excited about is my awareness to that and my continued work on that daily. 
in your book, you'll find that you also talk about, uh, about the self-care piece that you've alluded to in our podcast, but just that this wear your own oxygen mask first mentality of, of don't deplete yourself, I think sh- shines through when you talk about the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of um, growing older. Because oftentimes as we do grow older, we are in that caregiver role or care, yep. you know, the one getting cared for or caring for someone, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I still have teenagers. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm caring for them too. Right. So that, and, but we all have this, like, I'm not alone here. Life is very stressful, right? It's not just about caring for someone older. There's a lot of stressors. And so we need to find ways every single day to soak in the moments, you know, breathe in the presence and find happiness and joy Otherwise, you know, a month goes by and we're like, what, what just happened? You know, and then we find ourselves 85 going, okay, now I'm in a nursing home. Where did my life go? You know, so we all need to pay more attention to the present. Yeah, that's, that's really true. And, um, I I think that your book helps people, uh, find, find out what's available, you know, in terms of, uh, all, all the things that, um, they should even just be considering, uh, that it starts with it starts with a conversation and looking a, a conversation with your loved ones and looking internally it seems to me yeah exactly well thank you for noticing all that in the book <clears throat> oh yeah well i you know i love the the book aging well is you know that's like it's hits it right on the head um and and, and i'm all about planning you know it's like that, that that's such a key theme of our podcast these days is just like no matter what no matter how old you are the you know the younger even if you're in your 40s it's still good to start thinking about what it will look like and and there will be you know the bigger piece of caregiving will be both on on your kids side and and on the other side with your parents and um, everyone will have those challenges, but it's like, what do you want and what matters most to you? You know, it's like, that's, that's what I think the the planning piece is so, is so important because it's like, otherwise you might just not even focus on that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We have to make, and we have to be intentional about what it is that we want and put it out there and put it in writing also. <laughs> Well, you did that with your book, Stephanie, and thank you so much. And thank you for being here with us. I appreciate it. And everyone go out and buy the book. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to the Glowing Older podcast. For more information about our planning and coaching services, visit glowingolder.com.